Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, we continued our series, Jesus Is, But Also. We looked at how Jesus is love, but also holy. One of the clearest places this is seen is in an interaction between Jesus and a woman caught in her sin. Follow along, and we hope you enjoy this message. Guys, we are in our second week of this series called Jesus Is, But Also. And so we uh, are talking about things that a lot of times our uh, cultural Christianity tends to prop up kind of one side of the equation, but maybe because we don't know how to talk about it or we don't uh, maybe want to touch that certain subject, we may not talk about another aspect of who Jesus is, but is equally important. And if we're going to get a full picture of who Jesus is and who who God is, who this God is that we sing to and we sing about and we talk about on Sunday mornings. We want to get uh, we want to get both sides of the equation, so to speak. So this morning, if you're taking notes, we are going to do, we're going to tackle this morning, Jesus is love, but also holy. All right? Jesus is love, but also holy. So love is the side of things that is often propped up. I mean, you think, what is the most famous verse in all of Scripture? Just... Sh- John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, right? We talk about God's love. Uh, we talk about God, God's love being for everyone, that no matter who you are or where you're from or what you've done, that God loves you and he is for you, uh, that he wants you to experience his love. In fact, we talk about God creating us so that we can experience and share in his love. And all of those things are true, Right? This series is not saying, hey, this one side of God that you've heard about, that side's actually not true. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying it is very true that God loves you. It's very true. All the things that I just said, John 3, 16 is a real verse in the Bible that we believe and hold to be true. But there's this other side of God that we maybe wrestle with because it's a lot of times not as friendly as, as love, or it doesn't come off, come off as friendly as God's love. Because, man, if God loves you, then a lot of times we take that to the extreme of like, hey, so God loves you, and he's for you, and so whatever you're doing, it doesn't really matter as long as you know that God loves you. But there's this side of God, namely his holiness, that actually calls you, hey, Yes, he loves you, but, he, but he's actually now called you to live in a new way. And that's where this tension comes into play for people. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Does anybody know, like, can you give me a good, simple definition of what it means that God is holy? Anybody want to take a stab, JB? Okay, perfect. Okay. Okay, great. So God set apart. That's the perfect definition that I'm going with this morning, okay? Set apart, really simple. And he's saying, hey, God isn't set apart for for us, right? God being holy, being set apart, a lot of times we just associate holiness with like perfection or sinlessness, which is very true, okay? But God being set apart, like he's He's so other than us. He's so different. This is a large part of the reason why we struggle to wrap our minds around who God is and, and what is he. And like, it's so hard for us as humans to comprehend who God is because he's so other. He's set apart. He's different. He's the one who is so powerful and mighty that he spoke everything, the universe, into existence. 
That's how different, utterly different, uh, there's these folks called the Bible Project, and that was kind of their phrase to describe God, the Bible Project. You heard of the Bible Project, JB? Has anybody heard of the Bible Project? If you ever have some, some questions around Scripture or you want like an overview of books of the Bible, you can go to YouTube and search for the Bible Project or just go to BibleProject.com. They're awesome. And they talk about God being utterly different. And he's, he's so different. He's so unique from us. He's so, he's so good. He's so sinless. He's so powerful that actually for us as mere mortals, as humans who are actually not really good people, not good beings, that God being holy, part of what it means is that if we get too close to him as sinful beings, getting too close to the sinless, perfect, unique, different God, holy God, that we would actually be like fried instantly. In fact, in the Old Testament, you see where Moses can't look at God because if he even looks at God with his eyes, he would surely die. That's why we have all these rituals and uh, different, different things that people had to do to cleanse themselves in the Old Testament so that they could just go into, not, not even to see God, or be, but, but just be in his presence. They had to make sure that they were wearing the right things and that they were cleaned in the, the right way. The guys of the Bible Project actually talk about God's holiness, and they relate it to, like, the sun. Where, man, it's a really good thing that we have the sun. Uh, the sun, I don't know if you're aware of this, but is necessary for us to be alive today, okay? It provides warmth, and it gives us, gives us all kinds of things that we need to be alive and well and, and, and healthy. But if we get too close to the sun, I'm sure you guys have seen some of the memes that I have on, online where it's like somebody decided that they were going to uh, plan a trip to the sun, and it didn't go so well, right? Because as, as much as the sun provides us life and energy and things that we need on a day-to-day basis, if you get too close to it, it, you actually are fried, okay? You're done. There's no coming around the sun. Even getting too close to it, not just being in the sun, but getting too close to it, you could die, which is not, not a great thing. So God's holiness is like the sun. So, so what do we do with that? Because doesn't God love us? Doesn't God want us to be in relationship with him? Doesn't he want us to be close to him? Doesn't he want us to do life with him? Well, here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Here's the beautiful thing about Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, is that Jesus made a way so that you and I might be gifted his holiness. Now, you hear that and you're like, yeah, but I still sin. I still struggle. We've been given position before God, even if we don't always practice this holiness. We don't always live a sinless life. But when God looks at you and he looks at me, if you have put your faith and your trust and your life in his hands, then he now sees you as holy and you are welcomed with him. You're welcomed with him. So where's the, where's the tension? Where's the, like, okay, I hear you, but holiness sounds nice. You're saying God's holy. I can't be close to him, but now I can be close to him because of what Jesus has done Well, this holiness now invites us, calls us to live a life where we actually live as God's holy people. We're not just meant one day to experience this with God before him, but we're now meant to live and and walk as holy people every single day. And this is where the tension comes in. Because sometimes the way that we think life is supposed to be done, even the way that we would say, no, but isn't, isn't that loving to let somebody live that way? Or isn't it, isn't it loving just to let me choose to do the things that I want to do? Isn't that loving? Maybe in our human mind, 
But actually, for God, his perspective, his kingdom, the most loving thing for us as humans is that we would live a holy life before him and before the world. And a lot of times, living a sinless life is not the same thing as us getting to decide what we want to do. So let, let's, let's take a, a look at a picture maybe familiar to many of us in the room. It's in John chapter 8. It's, it's a picture of this, uh, this kind of tension and this, this wrestling, but this call not just to love others well, but also to live a holy life. It's found in John chapter 8. It's a story of this woman who is caught in sin. We're going to start with John chapter 8, verse 1. We're just going to read verses 1 through 11, stopping a little bit along the way. So verse 1 says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees, remember those were kind of the religious leaders of the day, people who often uh, were upset with Jesus, often trying to trap him, which is what we're going to see here. These scribes and Pharisees, they brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, talking to Jesus, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? So here's Jesus teaching, talking to a group of people. And these scribes and Pharisees, these religious leaders of the day, they've caught a woman in sin, the sin of adultery. A simple way to think about the sin of adultery is just this. She was doing things with another man who was not her husband that were only meant to be done in marriage. She's she's sinning. In particular, she's, she's doing some sort of sexual sin here, okay? And these guys, these religious leaders, they have caught her in, in the act, and they're bringing her before Jesus and before the folks, and they're saying, hey, Jesus, so what are you going to do about this lady who is a sinner? The law, Moses said that this woman, because of her sin, ought to be stoned publicly, throw a bunch of rocks at her, kill her right here. What do you say? And we're going to see that these guys are actually trying to trap Jesus. Because on the one hand, if he says, hey, yeah, we need to do that, then they say, see, Jesus has been on our side all along. We told you that he wasn't any different from us. But on the other hand, if he says, hey, no, we're, we're not going to stone her, they would say, hey, well, then you're not upholding the law. So it's kind of like either way that Jesus answers here, unless there's a third way, a Jesus-like way, which, hint, hint, spoiler alert, but either way that he decides to answer this, he's going to be trapped. So here's this woman caught in her sin, and how many times have we found ourselves in a similar situation? Maybe not people dragging us before a crowd, but where you and I are caught in our sin. Our sin is exposed. We realize like, oh man, I, I do still struggle with sin. Even though God sees us as holy, we're still in our flesh. We're still here on this earth doing life. We're still wrestling with things like sin and temptation to sin. And man, in this moment, if you're this woman or if you're the person who has been caught in your sin, which any of us have, man, what, what is it that you want? Like, what is, what is your heart crying out for in this moment? Maybe for some love, maybe for some attention, maybe for some, some help, for some forgiveness. You got to sometimes put yourself in the same situation that these folks find themselves in. And I, I think that those things and more would be going through her heart, some mercy as they talk about stoning her, killing her. Verse 6 says, this they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. 
And Jesus, he bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. So, again, they try to trap her, right? In fact, John here lets us know straight up, or not try to trap her, they try to trap Jesus. He lets us know straight up, hey, they said this, they put him in this situation, asking him, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna uphold the law? They do it to trap him. Jesus bends down and kind of writes in the dirt or writes in the sand or draws something. We don't quite know what he's doing as he's doodling in the sand. Some people think maybe he was writing a list of the Pharisees' sins, and I don't know if they could see that or what, but uh, some people think maybe he was kind of drawing something out. We, We don't know what Jesus was actually doing in the sand, But he gets up, stands up, and in front of these guys who their job is to uphold the law, their job is to uphold the religious ways of the day, he says, hey, the person who is without sin here, throw the first stone. You start the stoning. Interestingly, there was actually one person who was here without sin. As you're looking around the crowd, you know, well, all these Pharisees and this woman and People who are watching, like, clearly everyone here has sinned, so nobody can throw the first stone, except Jesus. Like, if if he chose to, he technically was the only person who was without sin, but he gets back down, bends on the ground, and goes back to work doodling or writing whatever he was doing. And what's the Pharisees' reaction? These guys who thought, ah, we have Jesus. Verse 8 says, and once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Man, if you're, if you're the person who falls more into like the love category, right? Like you're like, man, I, I, I just want this woman to be loved. I, I, I don't want her to be, to be stoned. I don't want her to be killed. I don't want her to be punished. I want her to know the love of God. Like right here, you're like, oh man, that's what's happening. Jesus is showing her his love by showing her mercy and by, and by turning away all of these scribes and Pharisees. Yes, like check one for the, for the love box, Right? Like Jesus is doing what we hope happens every time we come before him with sin. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me turn from my sin. I I love you. I want to experience and know your love so, so much. And that seems to be what happens with this woman. Everybody gets up and turns away. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, and here's kind of where the two, love and holy, are combined. Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. I don't condemn you either. I love you. I'm for you. Now go and live a holy life. Go and sin no more. He doesn't say, hey, I love you, so keep doing what you're doing. Why not? Because he knows that to keep doing what she's doing would keep leading to brokenness and keep leading to hurt and keep leading to pain and not lead to this life of holiness that Jesus knows is best for her. For most of us in here, I actually do think that we tend to fall on one side of these or the other. For a lot of us in here, it's really easy maybe to love people or to just fall into this love side of who God is. 
Like, I just, I just want to love God. I want to, want to know him more so that I can love him. For, for others of us, it's easy to fall kind of into the holiness category. Like, man, if I do these things and I check these boxes and if I, if I repent of my sin when I'm supposed to, if I do all the right stuff, if I, if I do my best to live a sinless life before God, we fall into that holiness category. But each side is kind of a, a tricky place to be because if you only go towards love and loving other people and just, just I, I would just want to do the, the most loving thing, then a lot of times you, you fail to address sin when it's time to address it in your own life and in the life of others. And we're, we're really hesitant to call out sin in other people's life because I just want to be loving. And then if you fall into the holiness side, here's, here's the, the uh, treacherous territory that you find yourself in is it's really easy for you to judge like, hey, I know that you're not supposed to do that. I'm going to tell you right now that God doesn't want you to do that. I'm going to tell you right now that that's going to lead to trouble and brokenness. Like, we're really quick to do that with other people, to judge them, to be less loving and kind towards them because we have to uphold holiness. But the truth is, these things are actually meant to work a little bit more like the pedals of a bike. And this is where... I've tried to ride this bike across this stage with flat tires and all, okay? Imagine that one of these pedals is love and one is holiness, okay? You like this? This is actually like a perfect size for me, right? Found in the kids section. Imagine that one of these pedals is love and one is holiness. That if you find yourself falling more into the love category, you actually know the way that, that, you, uh, that you can actually fall more in love with God is by understanding more of his holiness, and that as, as you start to see, oh, God is, God is so holy and other than me, it actually makes me want to live a life of holiness, which then makes you actually want to love God more. That when you see how other than us God is, when you see how different he is, when you see this life that he's called you to live is really the best life for you, you start to see how holy he is, you actually start to love him more. And on the other side, when, when, if you're the holy person, right, that, that if, you're, if you're struggling with, man, I do judge people a lot. I do judge myself a lot. I do seem to uphold myself to this high standard and not let, let any kind of, uh, let, let myself slack at all. Then the answer for you is actually to maybe lean into the, to the more loving side of the bike. Man, this thing is really like wobbly, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to try to make it all the way. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. What, you think it's going to break or something? I don't think, I don't think it's going to break. I might break before this bike does. But if, if, you find yourself, if you find yourself falling too much onto the holiness side, hey, hey, how do I fall more in love with God? Well, man, it's when you start to realize, like, no, holiness is God. It is, in a sense, it's God's best for you. It's what God has called you to. And, and doesn't that make you want to fall more in love with him? And, and it's like the pedals of a bike. The answer for if you fall into the holiness side is more love. And if you fall into the love side, it's more holiness. And this seems to be, in a sense, the bike that Jesus rode as he was confronting people. That he was always wanting to do the most loving thing. But the most loving thing for people was often to call them to a life of holiness. And Jesus, in calling people to a life of holiness, was always doing the most loving thing. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. And this is... In some sense, the dance or the bike ride that I think Jesus has invited us into in this life. Jesus is love. He is loving, but he is also holy. He is also holy. And that for those of us who are, are struggling with, man, but, but I just want to love friends. Well, 
Maybe start to ride this bike of what does it look like for you to love friends, but also call them to the life that God's invited them into, to let them know that it's the best, that it's the most loving thing. If you're the person who's judging people and you're caught in this holiness trap, you're just stuck on this holiness pedal, well, what does it look like for you to be kinder and more loving to folks so that your invitations for them to live this life that God's called them into is actually softer and more compassionate and more like Jesus to begin with? And that's not just for how you interact with your friends, but it's also for how you interact with yourself and your own sin. And confronting and speaking to yourself both God's love and his holiness. The implications for how these things play out in our life are endless. You guys now get to go discuss some of those in your small groups. Let me pray for us, and we're gonna do just that. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this great love that you do lavish upon us. God, you've, you've invited us into the most loving relationship with you that we can possibly hope for, dream, or imagine. But God, you've also called us into this life of holiness that mirrors you, your your sinlessness, your uniqueness to the world and to our own hearts. So God, I pray that you would help us to learn what it looks like to ride this bike and dance this dance and go about this rhythm of life of embracing your love and your holiness and reflecting those things to the world around us. Help us to see more of that in you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.